You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com. Good evening, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Very exciting night tonight. Uh, we're going to have a pretty intimate and fascinating discussion tonight about uh, topics that 
are are very pertinent that are happening all the time, but they're not spoken about as often as they should be. Details that sort of stay undercover as things just happen and you sort of wonder how, why, where, when, how do I do this? And I just want to applaud the bravery of my guest tonight, who is amazing and, as I said, brave and courageous and is going to share a story tonight that we really all need to hear about, especially those of us with daughters um, who are entering their 20s and need to learn about this. Now, I know I've piqued your interest because I haven't said what it is yet, but before I get to that, I just want to quickly welcome everybody tonight to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, my name is Kathleen Smith, and for those of you who are new, I founded Morph Mom, which is M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, about five years ago. Um, I had been a prosecutor for a long time. I stopped to raise kids. 14 years went by, and I couldn't get back. And I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? So I thought rather than reinvent the wheel, I was going to go out and interview women around the country who had done whatever it is that they were doing, who could share their stories and help me and others to do the same. So it began, and I started with a website, and each year we've sort of added something to it. We now have this radio show, which is so much fun, more from moments. And by the way, this the radio show is now a podcast on iTunes. So if you missed anything or you want to share it, we'll be up on iTunes tomorrow, more from moments, same thing as the iTunes podcast. Uh, we also, I write for Huffington Post, that's under my name, Kathleen Smith, but that's sharing stories of women around the country as well. We host cocktail parties around the country. We have classes which sort of help you kind of figure out what your next step is or what you what your passion is still. Um, and very excited to announce that on October 23rd, we'll be hosting our second non-conference. And it's basically an all-day event with women. And we have a bunch of panels, a bunch of different topics, from finances to starting a business to how you start a business to how you go back to Botox. So we really cover everything. And the goal is, as a non-conference, we have such a varied array of things that everyone will feel welcome, everyone feel included. It's interactive. We have cocktails and dinner and a guest speaker, and it's really, really fun. So I encourage you to go to morphmom.com, again, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, to learn more about it and sign up because spots are going fast. So trust me, we did one back in June, and I take no credit. It was all the women who came to, to speak and share that really made it so special and uh you know, due to popular demand, we're coming back. And after this, we'll be taking it to the Midwest and to the uh, West Coast. So I'll, you'll, I'll update everyone on dates. But again, check out this uh, website if you're interested. We'd love to have you. Now, let's talk about why we're all here tonight. And I'm so thrilled and so excited to introduce my guest, Natalie Webb. And what's really exciting about Natalie is um, talk about how it's a small world and everything sort of goes back. You know, it's, it's a circular world. So I grew up in Jersey City, and I went to a very, very small school, Bergen School, and that was many, many decades ago, which is so embarrassing. Like, grammar <laughs> school like, decades ago. <laughs> so that was, as I said, a long time ago. Um, about maybe a month, a couple weeks ago or a month ago, I get a Facebook message from Natalie Webb, who I have not heard from since grammar school. But you know, growing up in Jersey City... It was a small school. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew. There were big families. We all knew each other. And it was just so exciting to hear from you, Natalie. And to feel like I was right back in Jersey City, like no time had gone by at all. Now, what was even more exciting was that you came to me to share a story. And as I started to mention before, Natalie is sharing a story that is fascinating. It's so important to share. It's life-changing. 
And I think so many of us need to know about this. And again, I applaud your courage and your bravery and in, in going through what you did and in sharing your story tonight. So I applaud you and I, I'm honored that you're here tonight. And I'm just so happy you reached out to me and I'm so excited. So everyone, welcome to Natalie. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kathleen, for um, inviting me to your show. Um, I um, I guess the, one of the things that I, I had um, reached out to Kathleen for is that I noticed that she told a lot of different stories about women across the country. And I, you know, I, I had asked her, I said, did you ever talk about, you know, being a mom by choice? And so, and I said, the reason I'm asking is because I actually um, am a mom by choice. Um, and it's an, it's an important topic, I think, because every time um, I tell someone about how my children came, they always say, well, you know, I wish my daughter had done that. Or I wish, you know, or a, a friend might say, oh, I wish I had done that. And it began, you know, although, you know, you hear about movie stars are going off, they're having babies on their own, it is not a topic that is truly talked about in the regular population. And if any, and if it is brought up, it's like, no, we don't want to discuss that with her because it's very sensitive, <laughs> right? Um, and so I think, you know, um, my story really starts with, you know, I, you know, always thought I would grow up and get married and have, you know, a family and live in a nice house with a white picket fence. But that wasn't my life. Um, you know, I had gone out, you know, on, you know, dates and things like that, had been in relationships that kind of just went around in circles. And, you know, but I always knew that I was going to be a mom in this life. And I really believed that I was going to go through pregnancy and everything like that. But how is it not going to happen if I'm not meeting the guy, right? And so um, what, I, um, what I did is you know, I had actually decided, even in my 20s, that if I didn't find you know, a person by the time I was 35, that I would actually you know, start considering it. But again, I was still kind of held off because I didn't really know anyone who ever did it. And I want to mention, too, Natalie is also has a very high-powered position in a global, uh, for, you know, global company. So it's not like you were just sitting home. You're working nonstop right. and moving and completely accelerating in your career right. at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes, that I was accelerating in my career. And, and some, most of, a lot of the roles that I had, I was like traveling. You know, so also, where's that time to meet that person, <laughs> right? It's it's funny that, that you say that, and again, we're going to discuss this later about sort of why your story is so important, not just to women our age, but millennials. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly it. These these kids are coming out of school and they're traveling nonstop with their jobs, and they're not meeting anybody, and it's scary. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think your story is just so important to such a wide range of ages need to hear this story, right? So I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So you and you were traveling a lot as well. Yes, I was traveling a lot. You know, and I was you know visiting you know different countries. You know, hanging out with my friends. You know, visiting my family. And so I was just always always on the move. But you know, life passes by very very quickly. And you know, the next thing you know, you're 35, and then you're thinking, hmm, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? But then, but suppose the right guy comes, and then I have a kid. He's not going to want me. I mean, I think that is part of it. Or, or I think the other question is, how do I go about this thing? Because no, there are no instructions, right? And so I um, happened to find out that my, um, my insurance from my, the job that I had would cover that. So, you know, my, and my doctors were saying, you know, Natalie, you know, if you're going to have a child, not that I ever mentioned it to him, but, you know, you might want to start thinking about it. 
And so I just started doing research and stuff. And then, you know, I was still dating and everything. And, and I remember um, talking to my brother Jason one night and just lamenting about <laughs> a mad date. And he said to me, Natalie, maybe the baby just comes first. And I was like, are you kidding me? Even though I thought to do something like this, are you serious? Well, I, you know, I wanted to go in the order that I wanted to go in. And and so then it took me another couple of years because I'm like, you know, because my thing, the hard thing for me was I grew up as a minister's daughter. My father still had, you know, his reputation, even though my father had passed. I mean, people still knew him. And um, and then I grew up in a religious home. I went to a Catholic school, you know, and, and so these things were, you know, challenges for me. And, you know, and, and you know, going to church and how, how was God going to see this, you know, and um, and so that was that was part of my problem. And also I was working in a very conservative environment. So, you know, and I was accelerating in my career. How would people translate? How would I explain it? You know, and so it just came to a point where um I, I, I guess my concern was I'm going to be judged, you know, judged. And, and what? how am I going to explain this? And I remember, um, like, I woke up from a dream one night, and what I heard was um, the only person who is judging you is yourself. And at that moment, I knew that I had to do something. And so I said, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to... Um, um, I'm going to test myself, have myself tested. And, and if the doctor says, okay, you know, Natalie, you have to do it. I'm just going to jump. <laughs> and see, the thing about me is, is that I, um, fear is, you know, it's a concern, but regret is worse for me. I, when I live every moment that I live in this life, I, I just, I guess I never want to have that feeling of regret because I think it's just so, uh, that's a worse feeling for me. So I'd rather jump and, you know, give it a try than not to do it at all. And and I really, you know, like, and I also thought about the fact of, you know, I project my uh, my life 10 years into the future, right? This is what my younger brother had told me to do. And um, and I said, um, okay, and so I thought about, okay, if I project my life 10 years or 20 years into the future, and suppose, suppose I just marry the, the, the person that I'm supposed to be with, you know, after I can have children, right? And I said, so how do I feel in that moment? Because he's the love of my life, but how do I feel? And he has kids, and I don't. I felt gypped. I've grown up in a family where, you know, they kind of the extended family because my dad had been married before and everything like that. And it's just a different dynamic. And particularly if you don't come in with any kids, then it's just like it's a, that's a very kind of touchy subject when you're trying to, you know, deal with this, you know, the, the stepdaughter and stuff like that and the stepson. Right. So I really wanted to have kids of my own. And at that point, I just felt like, you know what? Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how, you know, I'm going to manage all this, but I know that I can figure this out. So you went through testing. Doctor said, if I were you, I would do it right now. He said, I don't think about it anymore. Just do it. So I, again, he said, do you have anyone that you want to have a child with? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so then I said, um, well, how about I, um, so he said, okay, we'll take this book of donors. Now, I never thought the donor experience would be, you know, um, a, uh, I thought it would be very impersonal. Because, you know, like when I looked up online, it would be like, you know, here's the eye color and the hair color and everything. So I didn't, I didn't think it would be a personal experience. But 
Um, it actually is. It you know because you get their personality, you get whether their ears are attached to their head, you know you know like whether they wore braces or not. You know every the height of everyone in their family, the occupation of uh, everyone in their family. Is it like a big book that they hand to you? Like, and is it by region? Like, how does it work? It's. I mean, like it's like um the organization that I uh, had worked with, it's like it was a national organization. So, but you can also pick from certain areas of the country. You can pick level of education. You can pick height. You can pick, um, you know, whether you want the person to have a sense of humor or not. You can pick, you know, oh, I want him to look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where's that book? <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of actually fun. And so at first, you know, like when they hand me this thing, you like, they hand you like a calendar, but you, then you go online and then there's all of the featured, you know, donor of the month, you know, and everything. <laughs> so the one that's most popular, that's what it means. That's fascinating. <laughs> and, um, and you know, so there was a lot, but then, you know, and then you're like looking at their personalities, you're hearing the, reading the descriptions of the people who interviewed these donors. But the donors, at least where I had gone, they had to promise to at least um, meet the child if the child wanted to meet them after the age of 18. Now, they don't have to. They have no obligation or financial obligation to them, but they had, if the child wanted to meet them, they could. And you can also put your children in a sibling bank. So any child that is, you know, has the same father, so to speak, they can meet them at any point in their lives. You know, because, you know, this is important because you don't want to marry your, your sister or your brother, right? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> but I think that they've cut down That's on that fascinating. more. fascinating. Now, they've cut, you know, like in terms of the, how much, how many times a person can donate. That's what I was going to ask. Is there a limit to... I don't think at the time that I did it, there was, but now, I recently I had heard there is, because I think somebody had, like, a lot of kids, you know. Um, That's so. so interesting that you'd be able to then meet siblings oh yeah mm-hmm. it, it, that's fascinating that you can do that mm-hmm. and in fact i you know like i didn't actually expect to get involved in that right. process but some of the parents of um of my that are siblings of my children you know that had the same you know sperm donor have actually reached out to me you're kidding. Yeah. And so we're connected, but they look absolutely nothing alike. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, you know what I mean? But so it's interesting in that dynamic, you know, because, you know, like suppose you do meet up with this person at some point. Yeah, you'd <laughs> you never know. know. You would never know. So, um, so it's interesting. So if you, so basically the child is really provided with all the information that they need. It's not hidden from them. And so um, you could really, you know, grow up knowing everything about their family. I mean, they know, I mean, they hear their father's voice because they provide you with a tape of what, you know, why he did what he did and everything. You know, I don't personally meet him, but I know all this information because you, you're provided with it, you know, and you download it and you save it for them. Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And what's really interesting is my son, um, you know, he really had this thing with the color green. Ever since he was small, I love green. I love green. I'm like, what's up with the green? And come to find out, I looked at something recently where West was his father's favorite color. That's so interesting. You know, so it's just, you know, so it's things like this. So anyway, um, I went through the um, the donor process. I had narrowed it down to 10, and then I narrowed it down to 3, and then I got my brothers involved in the discussion. And I didn't tell them who I preferred. I just wanted to hear who they preferred. And the funny thing is, is that we all decided on the same person. Really? Yeah. What was the characteristic about that person that drew you most to him? 
Well, or I don't know if you, just one or what was it about him? Um, he had a sense of humor, and because I, I really believe that people are born with a sense of humor, and my daughter has that because um, she's been a comedian since she's been born. Um, but she just very laid back, you know. And I mean, he and he was very laid back, very intelligent. Also had an appreciation for the arts, um, and that was another you know kind of criteria because um, my family is very artistic. You know, and so they sing, they draw, they, you know, whatever, you know. And so that was kind of an important part for me, too. But at the same time, you want that intelligence, right? You know, and so, you know, that, I thought that that was um, – so those were the com- kind of combinations. And then just reading about his personality from the people who interviewed him, hearing his voice, you know, just kind of that's what – it's almost like speed dating, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for your father. Getting right to the point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his personality – um, oddly enough, was similar to mine, you know, in terms of, you know, um, just um, in terms of the just in, in comparison. And which is interesting, because, again, when you're dating, you're you, most of the time you're kind of off yeah. <laughs> in that that type of area. So that's so. So how long. So when you go to the doctor and he gives you the books, how long do you have or I guess do you give yourself to make that decision? Like so when you went in that day, you're like, oh, God all right, I'm going to make this decision in the next couple of days. Am I going to give myself a month? Like, how do you sort of negotiate that or navigate that? Well, the thing is, is that you have you have some time because like, you know, it's particularly when you're going through testing because they want to make sure that, you know, you know, you're healthy, you know, and so you have to go through all, all that for the, you know, the drugs that they're going to give you. Um, and um, uh, so I would say, I mean, I start my process started in like end of December where I started doing blood tests and stuff. And by March... I was kind of ready. But before March, I knew. And, I, you know, you, you order the vials. And, and one thing that's important, too, is that if you plan to have additional children, they often tell you to order more vials than one because you want your children to have the same father. And expense-wise, how does that work then? So do you sort of – if you're going to order more and then you have to – do you pay then to keep the vials frozen or however that yeah, works? Yeah, you do. You pay, you pay, you, you uh, purchase the vials, you pay to keep them, you know, um, frozen. Um, and then when, you know, if you need them at some point, then, you know, they unfreeze them and everything. But the hope is that with the, the first vial, they get as many, like, you know, they make as many embryos as possible. And then they freeze them. And then they, then if whatever they don't use, you can either throw them out, or you can have them frozen and, and saved and then use them at a later point. Does insurance cover any of that? Um, most insurance now does. You know, I, I don't think that the, the, the sperm donor cost was covered, but it wasn't that much. It was like a few hundred dollars, so it wasn't like a couple of thousand. Because, again, you know, you're intimidated by, oh, my God, it's going to yeah. cost me thousands I of dollars. I expected you to say it was thousands of dollars. No, and even to freeze your eggs is not that much either because I think – you know, it's like $700 a year. And if you pay in advance, then you have like three years for 1500 or whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, um, so you have that type of option. But, uh, you know, again, you know, you, if you don't know the steps of the process, you know, like how do we – I do – and see, the other thing that helped too is that I had a very supportive um, doctor – and so, you know, it was like, you know, they were like rooting for me. They're like, this is going to work, you know, no matter what. <laughs> and so, you know, they sent me, you know, to where I needed to go and everything. And then even throughout my pregnancy, you know, they always got me to do the right thing. 
And so, um, you know, because they, you know, they, they, you know, they were cheering for me. So it, that also helped in the process too. So, you know, again, if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be alone, and how am I going to manage it? You know, I thought the same thing, and especially when they said I was going to have twins, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can handle one. I don't know if I can handle two. Um, but you know, you know, God always kind of finds a way. You know, and he always puts the people in your path that you need to have in your path at the moment that you need to have them. When you were talking about how your dad um, was a minister and how your fear was sort of, you know, what was expected of you as a minister's child and what was expected Mm -hmm. of you and how, you know, you have to only judge yourself. But it's so hard to not feel the pressure and the eyes and everybody else judging you at the same time. And it's funny, I wonder if almost like that was the path you were supposed to be on because what you're showing everybody is the most important thing was bringing life and mm-hmm. and how to go about doing that in the most loving caring environment that you could mm-hmm. and like you just said god sort of led you there i think when you woke up from that dream and said only you judge yourself mm-hmm. so there's sort of a reason that mm-hmm. happened right right and, and that, that clarity that came to you mm-hmm. that night yeah because it was you know because again you know growing up in a religious environment and i you know like kind of like you think okay you know, because this is what, you know, they say in church, you know, this is kind of what it is. And, and uh, the God that I know is a loving God. You know, he will accept you from whatever point you're coming from, you know. And, and you know, as human beings, we do judge ourselves, right? And we're assuming there's this crowd out there that's judging us. And honestly, what was amazing to me is that the moment I, you know, decided to do this, my friends and family came around me and they said, we've been waiting for you to do this. Because no, I never had a conversation except with my brothers about doing it. But every, my, all of my friends, I mean, like, even when it came to my um my shower, I mean, I didn't ask for, you know, like, you know, the, the fancy yeah. things and everything, but they gave me everything I needed. I, I didn't even ask for it. And, and, you know, and again, that was to me, proved to me that this was meant to be, you know, and it, you know, and I just got a lot of support from people and even people from my father's church. They came and they were like, you know, Natalie, you know, your parents would be so proud of you. And that, maybe that was because my parents are no longer here. So, you know, that was my parents' way of saying, you know, what you did was okay. Oh, God, it was so much better than just okay. <laughs> you're raising two mates and kids. That's what you're doing right now. And you're setting the example for everybody out there who feels a little bit lost, a little bit confused, a little bit judged right now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, what your brother said to you, I think, stands out so much that maybe the baby's supposed to come first. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that is what you were meant to do. God put you here to raise those kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's also part of your role. Maybe your role is to show others how you do it and the strength to overcome what you feel others are thinking or saying or, mm-hmm. or you know, or judging. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're just such a good role model for this because you have such a positive attitude about it, but a very honest attitude about how this all went through. And I think that's what people need to hear. And and the thing is that people have said to me, you know, like particularly like when you're at work or whatever, you know, you don't have to mention it. You know what I mean? You know, why would you bring it up? But the thing is that I have nothing to hide. Right. right. right? You're not embarrassed. Right. By this right. is not I like did. something you're hiding under the rug. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and the thing is that I don't want my children growing up thinking they were a mistake or that I'm I'm ashamed of them, right? right? Because, you know, I brought them into this life because I had love to give, right? And so, and I wanted to give them that love, you know, and I, you know, like God put them in my hands and I am responsible for making sure they're the best human being they can possibly be. 
And and I and I try you know like I, even with my son you know initially he was kind of like shy you know and everything and, and he would look up at you and everything and I knew from a very early age I said you know what we got to nip this in the bud right now because you know sometimes if you let things go on and everything then you know it's harder to gain confidence when you're older and so I consciously made an effort and that's why even though even with me working I pay attention to my children. I pay attention to the friends that they have. I, you know, I, I listen to them at night. I know what they like and don't like, even though I'm not there <laughs> all the time. But, you know, it's just made being a mom has widened my world in so many ways that I never thought, you know. And, you know, like when I was by myself, you know, it was kind of like I come home. My house is the same as it was before. I was never home. You know, people wouldn't come to see me. But when you have children, oh, my God, your house is like, <laughs> like you know, your Grand Central Station. You know, come, people come in and out. You know, and then I was, I was, in a sense, I had to buy a home for my children, right? Because, you know, they I had a backyard growing up, so they deserved a backyard. I think that if I didn't have children, I probably would have bought a condo at some point. But it just, it has opened up my world in so many wonderful ways. And I've met so many great people. Because, like, you know, again, when you don't have those extra people, right, you don't have a reason to, like, meet that mom down the street or, you know, whatever. But, and, and, and also, I find the community of mothers very supportive. So when you're going through something, you know, they're like, wait, whatever we can do to help you, you know, we're going to help you. And it's just, and again, even my relationship with my friends changed because like people, you know, my friends, most of my friends are married and they have children and, and everything. And then I, you know, all of a sudden I became a parent and all of a sudden I could relate. And so it was kind of like there was this bonding moment that I didn't realize was missing before. So... I want to go back a little bit. So you were saying, so December, you're kind of looking at the book. And by March, you're like, all right, I'm in. This is going to happen. How long, what was the process then? And how long did it sort of take until the day they tell you you're pregnant with twins? <laughs> Just terrifying. Um, it's it's six weeks after that because when you start, the, when they get ready to start, and they first they hand you a bag of drugs. I mean, literally a shopping bag of drugs. <laughs> and you're doing injections and all this stuff like that when you're kind of like, and um. So I I would say, you know, anywhere from six weeks to um, two months, but it really also depends because in the part of the process, it could like it could fail or not be, you know, so um, but then, you know, I, you know, I found out I was pregnant pretty much right away earlier than most women would who are, you know, naturally pregnant. I actually saw my babies within the when they were like a couple of weeks old. Did you really? Mm hmm. So um, and, you know, I. I had was having twins, not <laughs> a singleton. And then, you know, um, and then after that, you know, kind of the rest was history. And, um, I, you know, my pregnancy was fine. You know, I didn't, you know, the only time that I ended up in the hospital was really near the end of the pregnancy in the 32nd week. And then I was kind of, and then I had my children in the 35th week. But I was really supposed to have my children um, February, um, like, um, 4th, and they were born December 27th. So you made it pretty far with wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was walking. I was even walking around in heels. You know, and my friends are like, I'm driving to Washington, D.C. You know, I'm seven months pregnant. And people are like, what's wrong with you? But I guess because in my mind, I'm like, I still had the ability yeah. to do things, right? And and I wasn't going to be stopped. So, um, but I did, you know, and um, and then I had time off with my kids, you know. How, how much time did you take with the? Well, the funny thing is, is that because I worked so much before, you know, my thing was, okay, like, take three months off and then I'm back. My boss said, um, no, 
she said, the, first of all, this is the first time in your life that you're having children. Yeah. And then you're going to have two on top of that. And you have no one to really support you. Like, you don't have a mother who's going to come and help you. You need time to adjust. And so I took six months. Wow. And and the company was great about it. And oh, yeah. You- yeah, they, they, they definitely were in terms of, you know, the, you know, letting me have that time off. And literally, I, um, you know, just getting used to being a mom and taking them to their doctor visits and the whole nine yards, because it is an adjustment. And you were, you were raising them by yourself. This is right. the first time. At six months, were you ready to go back? No, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know, because I started feeling guilty because I had spent so much time with my children. But then, again, they also had to get used to me not being there. And, I mean, it's been good for them, you know, because they do, you know, like they're pretty fairly independent, you know, and they know that when, you know, mommy goes that she's going out to work and that she's coming back. But I do make it there at the important moments because, I, you know, I do volunteer in their school. I, you know, I do, you know, like talk to them every night, ask them what they learn and things like that. And, you know, and I always tell them before, like when they're sleeping, I always whisper in their ear, I love you. Because I think it's important. You know what I mean? Because even though, you know, you might not really hear me because you're not fully conscious, you still hear, your soul hears. You were so meant to do this. There's no question. Thank God you had that dream that told you (laughs) not to worry about this. People need to hear this. Um, We were talking about this earlier, and you said that the doctor said to you, so at 30, I think you said it was at 38 is when your eggs really go it gets a lot more difficult to get pregnant at that point? Yeah, well, I was told, well, number one, that um, the media kind of gives a false impression of, you know, how long women yeah. can have babies. And, um, and in fact, the doctor said kind of did a disservice. But um, basically, she told me that um, at 38, um, uh, 38, your, your, your fertility drops off drastically. You know, at 35, it starts, but she says, like, drastically at 38. And um, so... Um, and a lot of people kind of don't know that. So, um, so you know, anyway, so you kind of you want to you want to do something at you know as as soon as possible. Which is ter- you're right because with all the like you even said the celebrities at like later ages and you think into your fifties, but it, you have to know that at thirty eight. And like we were saying now with millennials, it's such a different world when they're skipping around trying to figure out what to do. And I think you you mentioned that the doctor said that they're encouraging girls in their early 20s to start freezing their eggs. Yeah, because I think the thing is, is that the doctor said to me that a, a woman's uterus doesn't age. You know, it's a woman's eggs that does. And the thing is, is that say, you know, you freeze your eggs at 20, okay, and so your eggs are frozen, and then you decide to have a baby at 40, your eggs are still 20. Wow. And your uterus, really, that the uterus, so in your 50s, you're fine. I mean, assuming everything else is right, okay. Yeah, assuming you. everything else is okay. Yeah, sure. Then you're okay. But, you know, um, and I, I've heard that they've had, you know, women who have had children up to 55. But, you know, again, that depends on what, you know. Right. You know, um, but, um, but again, you know, the... I think people have, women particularly have to realize the urgency of it. And then also, you know, again, if you're thinking about having a baby on your own, you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, maybe the guy will come around tomorrow or, you know, I'm 40 and he'll, you know, he'll come. But he might not, you know. And then the thing is, is that you're you're not getting what you want in life. You know, I believe that you are the master of your destiny. You are the captain of your ship. You have the ability to change all of this. And also, you know, a lot of times I think we limit 
our lives because we look at it one way. And I think that was the awakening moment for me with my brother is that I'm thinking it's supposed to happen in a certain order. And in reality, it wasn't. In fact, what was really interesting is that after I had children, I was like really not interested in dating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because, you know, you're a mom and you're tired and you're working. You just want to sleep. Yeah, you just want to sleep. You you don't want to dress up and (laughs) and go out and look cute. You know, I got throw up all over (laughs) you right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not not feeling it. You know, and so my one of my brothers had said, you know, hey, Natalie, you know, you should get back, you know, into the dating scene. And I'm like, no. And so um, they talked me into kind of going onto a dating site. And I was like, I was like hardcore. I was like, look, if it doesn't work out in three months, I'm off. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's it. I actually met the guy that I'm dating now um, the first week. Oh <laughs> and we've been dating for a couple of years. Oh, was it really the first week you went on? Yeah, yeah, and, and that, I mean, before, you know, when I was trying, you know, yeah. before then, you know, I had kids, you know, it wasn't working out, you know, and, and because I did, I just let it, because I already had what I wanted, right? Right, right. You know, and I was already doing it, you know, and so, because you know, I think, you know, when you're kind of, when you don't have children, sometimes you want children, you want to get married and everything, you have an agenda. Yeah. You know, so I want to get married, want to have, get, have the big wedding, want to have the kids, yeah. right? So you, you know, and time is running yeah. on there, you know? And, but then when you do what you want to do, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I got them now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? In, in your profile, I'm just curious, did you put that you had children? How does that work? Or like, we were talking earlier, like, you were like, well, you know, I'm going to say I've got, I've got two kids. And is it, how did you approach that? I did. We, I, I did. I, I said that I had two, oops. I said that I had two, um, um, children, and that I um, and I had a picture of me with the children. And that I said that I had my kids on my own, and again, you know, I didn't, I wasn't sure how that would go over because you know, you you think like, well, oh, I have, she has kids, you know, I don't, and especially small kids, oh, no way, <laughs> <laughs> don't want twins, be, yeah, two of them, <laughs> don't want to be bothered with that. <laughs> um. So, um, I, you know, and I, and I was, I was completely honest, really didn't care, you know, like, oh, put the sign down, I'm a Leo or I'm like, this is it. This is me. You know, (laughs) this is my family life. Hey. And the, the guy that I started dating, he actually was drawn to me because of the fact that I had, and he told me that because of uh, that, I had children on my own and he said his cousin had done something similar and he respected her greatly for that. So I think that if that's the thing that's holding you back, I mean, and, which is shocking, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised I'm even saying this, but you know, the fact is, is that because I released it, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to live my life. I want certain things in my life, so I'm going to just make it happen. If I get married, I get married. If I don't, that's okay because having kids was really important to me. And I knew that if I didn't have them, that my life would be so empty. And, I, and you know, and my my youngest brother now says, he says, yeah, now we didn't know what we were going to do <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't have kids. <laughs> but, you know, and and he has even said, he says, you, you the, your whole who you are has just changed. You've lightened up, you know, and even though, you know, like you, you have challenges with children because, you know, like especially raising them on your own, it is not the easiest thing in the world, but you figure it out. Cause even with um, the babysitters and things like that, because I had grown up in a community where we, you know, my parents got their babysitters from uh, or the church. Right. 
And so, and, and now I'm here, out here, and I'm not, you know, I'm living someplace else, and I don't really know the people in the community. But, you know, I figured it out. And now, like, I have, like, several babysitters that I can kind of call on, you know, and then also learning in terms of who my children like and who right. they didn't right. like. You know what I mean? And if they were happy, then I was happy, <laughs> you know? So for people listening out there, and I, again, I, I do want to repeat this. I think, like, you're my idol. And I'm trying, <laughs> it's very hard. You go through life judged all the time. And it's so much easier to just stay in line and mm-hmm. just avoid, the, like, even keep what you're not doing, maybe even not what you want to be doing, but just to avoid the judgment, to avoid everything. And sometimes in your own head, you're creating that judgment. Like, oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's what you're my idol right now and for everybody out there that you sort of that dream came to you and you said rise above this I judge myself if I'm a good person I'm doing good things and I'm doing the right thing that's what I have to believe in and I'm Mm -hmm. sure your dad somehow sent that message to you and your parents were like look this is what matters Mm -hmm. and but having the courage to then do that because it's easy to say it it's really hard to do it oh yeah and that's what you did and all these people out there who need to hear this right now who, this is what they, mm-hmm. they need that they can't worry about all this other stuff that's going on and all these negative things going on in the world right now and these scary things at the end of the day you have to do what's right for you and what's the right thing to do it's a good thing to do it's a loving thing to do and that's what matters and so I so applaud your bravery and not even bravery but just you're coming forth and telling a story like you said that you know, people say to you, oh, you don't have to mention it and that kind of thing. But there's nothing to not – you should be mentioning it. People need to know this. They need to know it's hard. And I'm sure there are times it sucks. <laughs> but everything sucks and everything is hard. Right? And, right. And you said – and there's a community – there are other mothers you've connected with who have done this as well. Um, yeah, there is um, there is a community of um, mothers um, who have done something similar. In fact, there's a national organization. I, I can't remember it off – hand but um that you can actually they um get together locally they um get their kids together so you know again if you're thinking that oh my kid's going to be different than everyone else you know there's a community of people and they have play dates together and um and also it's just an opportunity to just kind of talk about the issues some of the yeah. issues that you're you might be facing and it's a national organization and they also have stuff out there that you can read too and again when i did it i didn't realize that Right. You know, and right. so mine was all in my head, you know, like and having this like, well, I don't know, should I do it? Should I not? I didn't know anybody. And, and also I was interviewing people, but they didn't know I was interviewing them. Right. Um, you know, like kind of over the years in terms of like, OK, you decided not to have a child. You know, how do you feel at this? You know, did, did you do the right thing? And what I found, at least for those people who were, you know, like couples that had this kind of decided they kind of regretted it. Yeah. Not having a child. And so then I'm like, oh, well, if they regret it and I yeah. know, you know, because I really want one, I'm just going to, you know, have have a big problem. So, you know, and even if I wasn't successful, right. I, I knew that um, I, um, I, 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 I. I was like, at least if I tried, then I then I, I would feel satisfied with myself because I, I wanted to like, what is it? Nothing beats a try, but a failure to try. Oh, so good. I also like what you said, too, that regret would be worse than the fear. Like yeah. Regret would be something. And I mean, it, it, like you said, time is you have to look at this. You have to mm-hmm. look at the time and where you are in life and what's more most important to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost slightly terrifying is making those decisions and deciding like, wow, this is what I really need to do. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know, like being like growing up, <laughs> like <laughs> having to grow up and kind of have to do it. 
Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's been like, it's been a, like, it's been a, a, a ride, but a good ride, you know, so far. And, um, and then just like, sometimes like even like my kids, if they think that I'm sad, they'll come over and they'll hug me. So, you know, again, that's oh. something that I wouldn't experience right. if, you know, if I didn't have them. Uh, and I've, we've another, so our guest is going to call mm-hmm. in a minute, but I have one last question for you. Will you tell your children? About this? Uh, about, yeah, the process. And is this, and, and is this something you'll share with them eventually, sort of how this all came to be? Um, definitely, because I actually have a book of my entire pregnancy. So from the time I was small to the time I got, you know, bigger, you know, and um, so they, they've seen that book. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, wait, keep going, oh, hold on one second, I'm just gonna, okay, Morgan, welcome to the show, hold on one second, I'm introducing you to Natalie, our co-guest tonight, and Natalie is just finishing up um, with, will she, how she'll explain her life to her kids. Um, oh, I love that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See? Um, yeah, so, so is it something, like, how would you go about doing it, or... Well, I mean, like, it's it's not a mystery to them because they always, you know, they've always just seen us together, you know, and they like, you know, and, and, and it, the funny thing is that it doesn't bother them that, you know, like other kids have, you know, fathers and everything. It's never been an issue. I think for Adam, it's been more of, um, you know, um, he's, he'll like, because he's around girls all the time, sometimes he'll be like, oh, can I be around some boys, right. you know, kind of thing. Right. But that's about that's about it. But but for the most part, I, you know, like I don't hide it. I don't hide it from them. Um, they see they've seen the book of my pregnancy. And I said, and this is where you were. And this is kind of how it all happened. And, um, you know, um, you know, it's not it's not like it's hidden. And, and I, I, you know, um, or then I'm ashamed of it. You know, right. but, well, ashamed. I mean, you have two beautiful kids. You have a beautiful life. You're do you're setting an example for these kids. It's beyond anything we could imagine, which begins with strength and overcoming judgment and overcoming, you know, fear to avoid regret. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, I think you're probably mm-hmm. the, one of the most outstanding mothers I've ever met in my life. So clearly, that's the role oh, you were you. supposed to fill. So that dream that came to you that said you judge yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Right. I mean, cause yeah. it is that you this is what you were meant to do. Mm-hmm. And clearly, I think you were also meant to share your story with others because people need to hear this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful that you did this. And the thing is, is that, and, and, you know, like it's so much so many times I see, you know, like, you know, young women or women who are in kind of like that. Should I do it? Should I not? And I kind of want to just go and say, just do it. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid. You know, you'll figure it out. I mean, women are resilient. And I think that's what I think in most moments that, you know, that anytime I get discouraged, I think, you know, there were women who worked in the field and they had 10 kids and they still did it. (laughs) You know, so, you know, I'm living a better life. I can do this, too. And and the thing is, is that your, your children even see that and they respect you for it. 100%. 100%. That's a, that's the message you want them to give, mm-hmm. to learn, mm-hmm. and to live. Mm-hmm. So I, I am so grateful, Natalie. Your story is amazing. We're not done. We're going to have Natalie back again, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to introduce Morgan now. So, Morgan, have you heard? So Natalie's story is just amazing. Another fellow incredibly brave, incredibly strong woman who wants to share her story with others to encourage them to do what they want to do and to be who they want to be. And Morgan is very much like that. Mm-hmm. Morgan, can you hear me? I can, yes. I love every guest that Kathleen has on our show because they are <laughs> independent, um, Some, you know, normally female or male, just great, well-rounded, independent go-getters. And I think that's like a common theme between all 
morph moms of all different aspects of their life, and that's so cool. No, and I apologize because I heard the last, like, 10 minutes, and I was on the phone before that. So I am so sorry, but I do look forward to listening to it again when it re-goes on Friday. That's right. Um, and I can listen to it live on iTunes, so I will catch the first part and then uh, the last part, too. Now, for all of you listening tonight, so we're just – Morgan is just joining us right now – while you're up on iTunes and everyone is listening, I suggest you also then, which is why Morgan's going to tell us about it. Now, Morgan is a social media uh, genius. <laughs> she, you name it, she can do it. Um, but what Morgan did is sort of similar in line to what we're saying about women overcoming what they think they can't do and just doing it. Right? If you go out there, and Natalie said before Morgan, regret for her was worse than fear. And so, you know, as scary as something might be, a project might be, the regret of not trying it was much harder to deal with than the fear of not even accomplishing it. So Morgan just recently um, somehow within 24 hours went incredibly viral So (laughs) with something she produced. So Morgan, tell us about that. And um, as I said, Morgan is a social media guru. She basically can do anything you hand her and do it incredibly well and make everyone around her feel like they have done it. Although it's Morgan doing it behind the scenes, but this Morgan did you did, you produce this yourself, right, Morgan? Correct. Yes, and thank you for that, Kathleen. But you're only as good as the team that allows you to do it. So it's definitely not just like me, myself, and I by my computer making these things happen. There's a ton of great people that you know help and assist as well. But thanks for the street cred. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and I love that quote about uh, fear because it is so topical. I had. I had this project, uh, it's two years in the making, the video, the music video that I just launched, and it was sitting on my shelf for about a year because I was too scared to launch it. You know, Wait, Morgan, back up, I, I don't mean to inter- interrupt, but back up and tell us what it was. Like, so, so. Oh, sure. Sorry. Oh, no, that's so, a- I, um, <laughs> no, I, I started managing a rapper in St. Louis a couple years ago, and um, I executive produced the first single off his next album as a project. So executive production is everything from, um, you know, management, funding, execution, implementation, um, all those fun things. And we were able to write a song, which I helped wrote and create in a studio with um, the team that's behind our music video and the song and the project. So that was really cool to kind of see the beginning to the end of a song's, uh, you know, creation and everything that goes along in between that process, which is anybody in entertainment out there listening knows is no easy task to complete even the smallest task in entertainment because it takes all hands on deck and, you know, so many people's approval and, you know, everything to actually get it to come to fruition. So um, it was really cool to have this finished product. I sat on it because I was too scared. I did a Kickstarter. I asked all my friends if they would, you know, donate, and it didn't go over as well as I thought it would, (laughs) so I was nervous. But at the same time, I had myself and the team and invested time, money, and effort into this product. So about three months ago, since I do social media, I started really building up um, this online YouTube channel that I could launch the product from, uh, the music video from. So I started building that up and, you know, getting followers, fine-tuning and tweaking based on the data coming back with that. So when I did launch this, it would have the best foot forward that it could. You know, when we started this, um, we did radio, we intended on radio play and all of that fun stuff. And we did some of that initially, but 
with the music industry, how it's set up, even if you're local radio or Midwestern radio, um, you're not national radio. Getting there is, is another level. It's another pocketbook. It's, it's everything. So <laughs> another pocketbook. Um, my role, <laughs> yes, <laughs> my role is our um, viral was was our option, and I thought, okay, well, this is what I do for a living, and this is what I've been doing for musical artists and people in entertainment and celebrities and podcasters and Morse moms and you name it. Um, if 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 anybody can launch this, hopefully I can, because I do this. So I pressed the button, and I launched it, and I've been you know, sharing it with the online communities and support. People I don't even know want to post it on their social media and put it in playlists, and then I'm offering to share that stuff. So there's a whole um, community of amplification going on behind the music video right now through various other people in music that want to collaborate with our team and that's created I think the you know the soaring numbers literally overnight um a couple hours ago actually we just hit 500,000 oh, wow. I believe right now yeah yes yeah, so we're, we're over the half a million point um and it's it's really cool to see the the community support it um locally as well as you know, nationally. So I have friends locally uh, in St. Louis that are helping. And then obviously my, my crew in Los Angeles has been huge. Um, so it's just really cool people seeing everybody, you know, come together after it's all said and done and really support and launch, you know, launch the music video. And, you know, it's working. So I guess I'm okay at my job and I, <laughs> I should keep the day job. <laughs> so Morgan, for everyone out there, okay, so we just heard it hit 500,000. It's been 24 hours. Everybody out mm-hmm. there, if we want to, like, start growing those numbers, how do, what do we do? Get your friends and your family or people and communities that you don't even know. Get involved with them. Interact with them. And then when you have something useful that people can enjoy, ask them to share it. And also, you know, if they have something that you have enjoyed, share their information. So then they're more likely to share your information. But how Kathleen, can... I think we've talked about... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but how can we grow your numbers? So you're at 500,000. Oh. How do we get there to get those numbers to continue going up and up and up? Well, if you go to YouTube or any social media site um, and you type in crazy with a K, K-R-A-Z-Y, and then um, type in the YouTube channel after that, which is Shitty Princess which we can talk about that maybe one show. Um, Don't, wait, we have channel. to talk about that. <laughs> that just raised no, a whole other thing. That has Morph Mom all over it. <laughs> like, well, it, it's a brand and a concept that allows a woman to musically perform at any age of her life, uh, no matter what. And that is really cool. That's awesome. in Hollywood and entertainment, that's unheard of. So... This is a project um, that was totally inspired partially by just Morph Mom and seeing my my mom and her friends and my friends that are having kids and things go out of the workforce, want to get back in, and just society just doesn't do the best job of getting us in there. We have so mm-hmm. far to go. So, right. um, so I think that this this is like my maybe little contribution to the world to get that artist or performer that wanted to perform that's, you know, a mom of two uh, to be able to do that. So we can, you know, we can definitely talk about that. But 
as far as searching, I think that's what you're talk to, talking about. Sorry, went off on that tangent. <laughs> um, as far as searching is concerned, it's it's crazy with a K, so K R A Z Y, and then Shitty Princess spelled out uh, two names: Shitty and Princess. I hope I'm allowed to say that on the air. Of course, Art. you are. It's uh-huh. internet radio. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Oh, great. Well, in that case. Um, so, well, yeah, and it's your show, Kathleen. So, That's right. like, obviously, I don't know what I'm thinking about. So, <laughs> I mean that as a compliment. Um, but uh, so, if you search that, it it's actually doing so well that it should be one of the first videos to pop up, and you can click on it, watch it. Uh, please watch the ad. Please watch at least 30 seconds of it. And then it counts as a view on YouTube, and I will be forever grateful. All right, everyone, hear that? That's what we got to do. So as Morgan was saying, like helping somebody else, you get help down the road in return. This is what we need to do. Let's all get out there and get crazy up there right now. Let's get this to to a million. We can do it. Sure. I got 500,000 listeners, don't I? (laughs) Hopefully someone's listening tonight. (laughs) We're going to do it. I can't believe it's 7.55. So, Morgan, we have to have you come back on. Natalie, we have to have you come back on. But what I love about Morph Mom, and Morgan sort of said, like, sort of a similar theme tonight, even though very different subject matters, how sort of overcoming fear, avoiding regret, and and sort of supporting one another Mm -hmm. is sort of what it's all about. So no matter what your story is, with Natalie's amazing story about having these kids on her own and sharing this and helping others to make these decisions regardless of what other people think or don't think. It's what mm-hmm. you, you, your perception is that they're thinking. Right. And Morgan letting something sit because of the fear of it mm-hmm. not going well or not doing what she, you know, mm-hmm. Morgan, what you may think it should be or what other people think it should be. Mm-hmm. And I so applaud and commend the bravery of both of you. And that's why I do the show and that's why I do Morph Mom. And that's the reason... I do everything I do is to share this so other people can have the strength and support from amazing women like both of you to, you know, figure it out and try and figure out their dreams and try and go forward and just do what we can. So I can't thank you enough, Natalie, for coming on. Morgan, I can't thank Thank you you. enough for coming on. And we're going to have you both back on, hopefully. And um, again, everybody go out and go to crazy with a K. Natalie, we're going to get you back on, and I think there's a book in you, like I mentioned before. We're going to buy that book later. So got a lot going on here. Anyway, you can promote it. Okay. That's right, I'm going to promote it. It hasn't happened yet. And Morgan can help us with the social media. Uh, yeah, we'll help her with crazy. Oh, okay. We're set. <laughs> it's all marked. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening tonight, and I'll see you next week. Good night. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining.